A few years ago, I had some neighbors and, and family members gathered in the front yard at my home. And it was just a day where you could not imagine better weather. The two trees that were in my front yard had never looked so perfect. There was just a gentle, just right breeze coming through the trees. And at that time, all of the kids were really small. The kids in the neighborhood were small. And in a miraculous way, they were not fighting at all. In fact, I just remember distinctly the kids were laughing and playing. And as the adults sat in our lawn chairs and we shared food and drink and conversation, it was just idealistic. My mom, who lived in the neighborhood at that time, said something uh, to the effect of this. She said, you could not ask for a more perfect setting. And those adults that were sitting around, none of us disagreed with her. And that, that moment really sticks out in my mind because there are not many times in life where we feel perfection. In fact, perfection is a really small sliver in our life. There's just a few moments, and as you're starting to reminisce and, and think of things, and maybe this afternoon you'll think of other times, where, where you just have a little slice of perfection. And when you sense that, everything feels like it should be this way more often. Well, you know, on this earth, this planet we live on, at one time, it was that way all the time. There was a time that the earth was perfect. There was a time when there was absolutely uh, no imperfection. And today, as we start a new series called Legends, we're going to look at that time in Genesis chapter 1. Legends is a chance for us to kind of look at some of the biographies of, of people we read about in the Bible. And one, one of the things I want you to learn from this series is that the people we read about in the Bible, the people that uh, we sometimes idolize, sometimes we think that we're the holy saints that were so devout that we can never measure up, really they were no different than you and I. They were no different at all. In fact, as I've kind of mapped out this series and, and prepared these messages, there's one word that continues to uh, just continues to come in every character that that we're going to look at. And that's the word grace. God's grace. God taking imperfect men and women and taking their personality and their atmosphere and and their quirkiness sometimes and using them as instruments to tell his story because God is telling his story to the world and he's cho chosen to use you to proclaim that story. And so it is. And so it is. We will never understand grace until we understand the first word I want to share with you today. If you're taking notes, you could write this down. It's the word perfection. Perfection. Because there was a time when things were perfect. That which our inner man longs for that we can never quite attain at one time on this planet, on this earth, there was perfection. And we'll read about that as we see God's original design. And I want to start in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 27. 
says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. I want you to think about that word. This was God's original call to men and women, to Adam and Eve, or to mankind. To be fruitful and increase in number. That's why God's always wanting us to be productive. God is a creator and he's passed out that image to us. All of us, no matter what our talents are, we are creators. All of us, we uh, are artistic in our own ways. Whether, whether it's, it's through your job, whether it's through speaking, through the arts, through storytelling, through the way you live your life. We're to be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Meaning, we, we are to subdue the earth, to conquer the earth. The earth's not supposed to conquer us as it so often does. We're often so worn down by the systems of the world. But originally, God called us to, as we go on to the passage, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, without reading the whole narrative today, now let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, we know the rest of the story that they did eat of the tree and sin entered the world and death entered the world. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. I remember as a child reading that and giggling, and now as an adult, I realize that there's so much depth of that verse. The man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Because now as we move on the story, we'll, we'll understand that when sin, when sin comes into our lives, it does cause shame. So there was a time of perfection, and part of that perfection was in the area of marriage. See, so, so many times now, the narrative of our day is, oh man, most half of marriages are going to fail, and then the ones that do succeed, uh, they're so hard. Marriage is so hard. And it's true, it is, but that's only because sin has entered the world. That's the only reason why marriage is difficult, marriage is hard. That's not the way God intended it to be. You know, often when we're in the middle of perfection, it, it's really hard for us to recognize that. And so Adam and Eve, they were in the Garden of Eden. It was all they knew. And sometimes when we're familiar with something, we don't truly value it. And so how it is, as we become nostalgic and we remember the old days, 
often we look back at certain eras of our life and we say, man, that was a great time. That was incredible community. We look back at certain circumstances in our life and, and we didn't value it as we, as we should have at the time. And now, because we have maturity and because we have a tendency to just remember the better things, most of us, we look at, back at certain eras and we think, man, that was awesome. That was great. Sometimes it even feels perfect. And so, so it is that when we're in the middle, middle of perfection, we don't really recognize it. So it was with Adam. He didn't realize that he was in the middle of perfection. You see, that which we don't recognize, we undervalue. Adam, Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when he did that, he did that, he demeaned the perfection that God had for him. He, he didn't recognize that God had something special for him. You see, the, the problem was, the problem with Adam was this. It wasn't that it was just age and attrition that caused him to lose that perfect place. It was an intentional choice. It was an intentional choice that he made. That's why the second word I want to share with you today is this, the word destruction. Because if we talk about Adam's story, the word that, a word that we can never get away from is the word destruction. Because it just took, it took one choice for Adam to lose perfection. As I think about our lives, you know, it doesn't take long for us to really mess things up. In just a matter of minutes, just a matter of minutes, we can become angry and do something that it'll cost us the rest of our lives. We can have a sexual encounter that just lasts minutes, but the effects of it can go on and on. We can lie in just minutes. We can steal or embezzle in just minutes. It's amazing how the power of sin, how when we let our guard down, how it can come into our lives and it can cause such destruction. And that's how it was for Adam. He was in perfection, but then he came to a place of destruction. And that's a warning to us today. It's a warning for us not to be casual about sin in our life. It's a warning for us not to take sin lightly. So it's a warning for us not to think that there'll never be a consequence for our sin. Thank God for his grace. But I'm not talking about so much about things you've done. I'm, think, I'm talking to you today about things you could do. And the Lord's warning you today. And the Lord's saying that in a matter of minutes, a matter of minutes, you can make a choice. And that could cause great damage to your life. But even when that happens, as it did for Adam, his choice and Eve's choice also, to eat from that forbidden tree caused sin to enter into our world. But yet, even though that happened, even though that happened, God had already, already made a way for forgiveness to come. I remember one time I, I saw a car accident happen and I was trailing someone and, and uh, they, they made a mistake in driving and it was a, it was a pretty bad wreck. In fact, uh, the, the man who was driving couldn't get out of the truck and I was the first one on the scene to help him and we talked and we prayed uh, and the officer showed up, and he could tell the man was in a panic. And, and he said, what happened? The man who was in the car said, I made a stupid mistake. And with 
a lot of compassion, and in a gracious manner, the police officer said, well, son, that's why they call them accidents. And I could just feel him just easing a little bit. And at the end of the story, they were able to get him out, and he was fine. But I've often thought about that statement by that officer. That, that's why they call them accidents. And accidents do happen. And just like if you're driving and you, you, you make a mistake... You make a mistake and, and you drive. The accident happens. But unfortunately, there's destruction to the vehicle because of that one mistake. And, and sometimes you can fix the vehicle and sometimes they're totaled. But even when you fix the vehicle, if you notice that they're never the same again, you can always still notice the scar. Maybe other people won't notice, but you'll notice the part that was repaired. That's the interesting thing about scars is that scars come because there's healing. But scars never leave. You know, I have on my forehead three scars. And uh, I wish I had really cool stories about them, like how I rescued children who were being attacked. But they were just, you know, really me being a kid. And three different times when I was a kid, I had to get stitches on my forehead just because I was just playing. And, and um, I won't tell you all three stories, but just kid stuff. And you know how it is, uh, you get a cut, and they, they um, stitch you up, and as the healing process comes, you realize, I have a mark on me that will never be the same. My perfection will never be the same again. I'll never be perfect again. But yet, the scars can become beautiful, because the scars can show that there's healing, and it can remind you that there's healing. And scars aren't always ugly. Scars tell a story. And I believe in our lives sometimes that in this life that we live, when we make destructive decisions in our lives, it's not realistic to think that we'll never live with consequences or we'll always forget them in this life. You know, those destructive decisions stick with us. And they scar us. But I believe God wants to tell you today that your scars aren't always ugly. Your scars are a reminder of his healing. Your scars are a reminder that he has healed you and he will heal you again. And so because of that, here's the last word I want to give to you this morning. It's the word fruitful. Fruitful. You see, God in Genesis chapter 1, when, he, when mankind was in the Garden of Eden... Perfection was this. He, remember, we read our first passage said, be fruitful and multiply. Perfection. But when destruction came to the world because of uh, one bad choice, God said, now, when you try to be fruitful, the ground, the soils are going to be bad for you. And the thorns are going to be plentiful. And the rest of your life, Adam... The rest of your life, Adam, you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. And the rest of your life, Adam, things just won't be easy. And when you've been in perfection, that's a hard thing to accept. When you've been in perfection, that's quite an adjustment. And, and I think about our lives. You know, there's some things that I'm thinking about in my life right now, but I want you to think about your life. You can probably remember some dumb things you've done. 
some dumb things you've done, and they really change things. I mean, things are just never the same after that. Whatever, whatever it is for you, you did something, and you wish you could have that moment back. And I'm not going to lie to you today and not tell you that the ground, the ground might not be tough and the thorns might not be plentiful because of your bad choice. But I'm going to tell you today is that God still wants you to be fruitful. God still wants you to be fruitful. That's why in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, we learn the story of Adam after the fall. Sometimes we just learn about Adam before the fall. But in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Adam lay with Eve, and she became pregnant, and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. You'll find out later on in that scripture that because of their sin, that their, Cain was murdered. But yet God again had Adam be fruitful again. In verse 25 it says, Adam lay with his wife again. And she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. Saying, God has granted me another child in the place of Abel since Cain killed him. And in Genesis chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, it says, When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. And after Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years. And he had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Adam lived 930 years. And then he died. This is what I believe the Lord wants some of you to hear today. It's never too late to be fruitful. It's never too late to be fruitful. It's never too late to have God's plan for your life. Even though you might have, you might have destroyed his original plan. Even though you might have made a choice in a matter of minutes that brought destruction upon you and your family. God says now in this new place, I'm going to make you fruitful again. I'm going to bring Seth. I'm going to bring Seth to your life. I'm going to give you sons and daughters in your likeness. Because Adam was in God's likeness and then he had sons and daughters in his own likeness. I want to ask Sir Penny to join me on stage. I want to ask us all to stand for a moment. This morning, if you're, if you're here and you want to be baptized in water, at this time, I want to ask you to go and change and begin to prepare for that. Parents, if your child wants to be baptized in water, this would be a great time to go get them. And we'll be there to help you. And just in a few minutes, we'll come back together and our water baptism. If you, if you didn't plan to be baptized in water, but you're thinking, hey, I'd like to today. We have some extra towels. You might have to drive home wet, but we have water here. And if you think, man, I need to do that. I need to follow the Lord. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. I'd rather obey Jesus and drive home wet than to keep delaying what he's called me to do. So that's available. But the Lord, I believe that the Lord in this in this very simple, concise message about Adam today, there's much grace upon it. But the Lord wants some of you to know you're going to be fruitful again. You're going to be fruitful again. Some of you uh, have looked back to your life and you can look back to a moment. You can look back to a year. You can look back to an encounter. You can look back to a circumstance and, and you feel fatalistic about it. And you think, man, things will never be the same again. And because of that, 
Because of that, you've not let God begin to mold you into the man or woman of God he wants you to be. There's a sense of despair. And God is telling you today that he doesn't want you to dwell in despair again. You see, we live in a world where sin abounds. And so bad things do happen. And all of us, all of us are living with the effect of our choices. But God is preparing us for a greater place. There's coming a day where there will be no more sin among his people. For we will be with him. And when we see him, we shall be as he is. Because we'll see him face to face. And until that day comes, the Lord is calling all of us to pursue him. To pursue holiness. To pursue godliness. To, uh, to resist sin and to go for the Lord. And the Lord doesn't want you to look back at one moment of destruction. One moment when you reached on that tree and ate the apple or whatever piece of fruit it was for you. And, and you ate partook of something that was wrong. It was the wrong thing to do. You were at the wrong place. It was the wrong choice. And you've been paying the price for it. But God says that he's going to make you fruitful again. Yes, the soil is more difficult. Yes, there are more thorns. Yes, that that you have to work by the sweat of your brow. But God wants you to know that you are going to be fruitful again. He's going to cause good things to come to you. And I believe the Lord wants you to know that this morning. And he wants you to know that good things are coming to you. I thank God that, you know, as our, as our children are joining us, what a great sign that is that God is, is, is birthing new things over and 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 over in our lives again. New things he's coming. New things are coming for us. Can we pray about this for a second? Jesus, Jesus, I thank you, God, that, Lord, you're speaking to a handful today. This word is for every single person in this room. But I believe the Lord really put in my heart, there's a handful of men in here that this is particularly for you. That, that this is a life-changing sermon. The Lord says that he's moving you forward. That your scars are, are, are going to be with you, but they're going to become beautiful. The scars are a sign of his healing. God's going to make the scars beautiful. Uh, yes, it's not perfect anymore. It's not perfect anymore. There's blemishes on you. But the Lord says that that has been a sign unto you that he has healed you. And he will heal you. And he has done that. So, Father, I speak fruitfulness over my friends, God. I pray, Lord, that, Father, that they would be fruitful again, even though the soil is tough, even though the thorns are plentiful, even though the environment is less than ideal. You will give birth again. God made you in his likeness. He made you one that produces. He made you one to be fruitful. He said in the beginning, be fruitful and subdue the earth. You are a conqueror. You are an overcomer. You are not a victim. You are one that subdues the world around you because of the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world and he's causing good things to come to you so father we believe that we receive that we thank you for that we thank you for what you're doing jesus and we love you we love you lord as we reflect on this and as we just allow the holy spirit to continue to work with us can we sing a song with penny